Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Episode 20 is getting dropped and recorded today. It is uh, June the 9th. 2021 at 1026. I'm going to record this and drop it as soon as I'm done recording it. Um, I've gotten off of my regular schedule of dropping these um, these podcasts every Monday. One of the things <clears throat> that I talk about regularly is like not don't put too much too much stress on yourself, too much undue stress and all this. And as fun as this was in the beginning, I had all this crazy shit to talk about. And I had I pre-recorded like six episodes when I first started because I was so excited to do this. And then so it was easy to pump them out every Monday because I already had them loaded up in the podcast bank. And now it's like I'm struggling for things to say. Um, not really. I mean, I have a lot to say, but just not and it's not organized anymore. So I'm just going to be sporadic all over the map. I'm still going to try to get them out once a week. Hell, it could be a potluck. Tuesday, this thing could come out on a Friday, Freak Friday, or it come out on a um, on a Saturday. I don't know, but I do know this: this some bitch that we're recording right now is coming out today. Um, we're gonna be all over the map again on this. I have some notes written down and just kind of um want to want to talk to you guys about different things. Perspective is one one big one that I want to hit on today. And, um, I want to talk about sudden mood changes. I want to talk about, um, fighting for our lives on duty versus off duty, uh, to those in the military emergency services. Um, also civilians, I'm getting, I'm getting more civilians tuning into this thing. And it's kind of cool because they civilians are those people that know emergency service workers or military folks have been struggling and uh, it's kind of cool. So I think everybody's starting to learn a little bit about about what we do, about what we go through. Um, having said that, I just had to, uh, I was at my farm, you know, because I, I escaped there. That's no secret. And I went there, and yesterday I had to escape my farm. Dude, let me tell you, I, I go out there. I've been breaking shit left and right. Uh, every time I go out to work, that property is so rugged, and um, it's... It's pretty ass kicking, and I'm just one guy. I can only I'm only trying to clear 15 acres, and I got a huge piece of property out there, and uh, it's it's a, mostly wooded, but there's 15 acres that were very beautiful 15 acres that I'm trying to get cleared so I can pasteurize it for animals, right? And I have a big ass tractor, but it's a front end loader, um, and I have a bush hog, and I have some uh, other attachments you know, rake and all that to clear up debris and stuff. And then I have my chainsaw and then I have my Polaris side by side with a, with a debris trailer that I haul. And I've just been out there getting after it, dropping trees. I've probably dropped close to two, 300 trees by myself over seven months, limbed them up, chopped them up, burnt them son of a bitches. And it's just getting to be a lot. So at, for, at first it was fun because I was a man on a mission and when with me with mental health i like to indulge myself in something and i give it everything i have uh i get very mission and goal focused and goal oriented and i don't stop until i get there well i've reached burnout people i have i have absolutely reached that burnout phase and i'm sure you guys do that too and that's happened with me with other hobbies that i've had where i'll i'll pick something up just so i can stay busy 
And then I just get burnt out because I, I just overdo it. And I, you know, part of why I stay busy is to keep myself alive because when I'm sitting idle, that's my most dangerous time. Um, it is absolutely horrible for me to sit idle. I, I feel like when, if I have a day where I don't do anything constructive and I'm not able to step back and look at something like, like look at an accomplishment for the day, what did I really do with this day? It feels like a wasted day that I'll never get back where a lot of people that have these nine to five jobs, they long for a day of nothing. I hear people like they say, man, I'd love to be able to do what you do and and like have no real job. Um, no, you'd fucking eat a bullet. I promise you after about a week of that shit, cause it's cool to go on vacation for a week, but most people, when they get off a of vacation, they're ready to, they're ready to get back to doing something because that, that sitting idle, that mundane, feeling of lack of accomplishment for a dude like me anyway there's a death sentence so that's why i go out to my property so much but let me tell you so while i've been out there over the course of seven months what i've realized is i have bought the most expensive fucking hobby that i think a guy in my position could buy i bought a i bought a fucking i bought his farm it's not even a farm i call it my farm it's just a huge massive piece of property that i'm trying to convert into a farm I don't have any animals. I got a bunch of wildlife out there. Um, But someday I hope to have animals out there, but I can't put them out there until it's ready. Hence, while I'm clearing the pastures, putting up fences, I need to build a barn, so all that shit. In the process of doing this, I have broken every piece of equipment that I've owned, right? And I'm I'm a pretty handy guy. Now, I'll go out. I can fix this. I can fix that. But then... There's some things that you just can't fix. Like I'm not a, I didn't grow up as a tractor mechanic. I grew up working on cars with my uncle and my dad, but I can't fix everything. My tractor has broken on me three times because of the, of the property. And it's a newer, it's a newer tractor. So it's, um, well, I shouldn't say newer. It doesn't have a warranty, but I bought it. It's a 2016 and it has very low hours on it. I bought it with 60 hours on it. I mean, that's unheard of to buy a fucking four or five year old tractor with only 60 hours, but now it has over 200 and those 200, I've beat it to death. So anyway, this, this week I was out there, I'm bush hogging and the tractor, I just completely lose power and I'm in my happy place. And now I'm like, motherfucker that I lost all the power. It wouldn't start back up. I figured it out on my own. It was a blown fuse. So I replaced a fuse. It blew that fuse. So I called the dealership and the dealership took them a day and a half to get out there. They bring this, uh, they bring a mobile mobile mechanic out there, and it's one hundred and thirty five dollars an hour. You know what this motherfucker did? He comes out there. He takes the fuse out that I put in that blew, and he puts another fuse in, and the tractor worked perfectly. So apparently the tractor didn't like my two fuses. He just replaced the fuse. One hundred and thirty dollars, please. Have a good day. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So I get back on my tractor, I'm rolling through the woods, I'm doing some bush hogging, and I feel the, the, the bush hog behind me, I feel it dragging, so I look back, one of, my, one, of the, um, one of the pins that holds it in place broke, and I was dragging the bush hog, it almost broke the damn drive shaft, I got off, it started pouring rain, I walk back to the barn, I grab another pin, I place it, I drive back to the barn, I parked the fucking tractor, I went inside, packed my bags, I said, fuck this, I'm going back to the place I hate in Charleston. And now, boom, I'm back here recording an episode. So, what I found was this. 
even though sometimes the things we enjoy the most, we have to get away from that too because we overindulge so much and we get so much pleasure from it that we that we get burned out. So I think that's where just like a portfolio that you want to diversify, I think we got to diversify the things that interest us. And I know that's easier said than done because I don't really enjoy a whole lot in life. I don't really find a lot of excitement in things, but I'm on this, um, I'm on this mission just like a lot of you guys are and a lot of you girls. Like I'm trying to find that perfect balance of happiness. So I've realized like, Hey, I can't go to this fucking farm all the time anymore because it's going to start driving me crazy. So now I have to find a few other things in my life to help round out that happiness. And I hope that you can find those things too. Part of, I know part of my problem is this. I've lived for a 43 year old man. I have lived the life of 10 men easily. And I talk about this with my best friend, Randy, all the time. We lived so fast so quickly or we had so much life so quickly that there is little excitement left in life there's not much that i haven't done other than the mobile glory hole like my buddy kenny over in virginia that's uh, stealing my business plan um those of you that don't know about the mobile glory hole that was in uh, um that was a business model i had um that i thought of that i thought would work great and uh, my buddy Kenny up in, I can't tell you what department he's on, but he's in a fire department in Virginia. He's actually going to be on Shark Tank um, presenting this uh, mobile glory hole uh, business business model. And he's looking for funding. So if you guys can uh, do a GoFundMe page and uh, we can get Kenny his first van with a uh, little, a little slide out glory hole booth, that would be fantastic. Kenny? Be on the lookout. You're going to be able to retire early from the fire service because your your mobile glory hole is going to take off. And I think you're the perfect employee to run that company. So there's that. Now shit just got weird. Like I say, there's not a lot of excitement in life, and that's why um, we come up with these mobile glory hole ideas. But um, I think a lot of people. I tell you what, I do find excitement in, and I I started you know I started thinking that uh. You ever see the moms that put their their daughters in these beauty pageants at a very early age, and it's like it's like they fuck their kids up. And I never I never really liked that. I never really like putting your kid on stage to be judged by other people. And it's not the kid's choice. Nine times out of ten, it's the parents' choice. And they're like, "Look at my pretty daughter. Look at this." And and what happens when that kid is judged unfavorably? What does that start doing to their self esteem? So I didn't really. I didn't really understand it when I was younger, but I think I understand it now. And what I'm getting at is this. A lot of my excitement comes from living through my kids' eyes. And I I love seeing them smile. I love seeing them laugh. I love seeing them have a good time. It takes me back to when I was a kid. When I see them on the beach, right? I see them on the beach having a good time smiling and laughing, building sandcastles. Now, I don't fucking like building sandcastles. I don't. I wouldn't go out there with my friends at 43 and build a fucking sandcastle. If I did, I'd be borderline Pee Wee fucking Herman. You know what I mean? Like something just wouldn't be right with me if I if I'm like, hey Steve, you want to go build some goddamn sandcastles today, and you cover me up, and then I'll cover you up, and then we can run around and look like muddy swamp monsters. At some point, we gotta grow up, right? But what I'm getting at is living vicariously through our children. 
And I think now when I look at look at it that way, I think that's why a lot of these parents, some of the moms, I'm not saying all of them, but I think a good portion of them, they put their kids in these beauty pageants because they want to live vicariously through their daughters. And I still think it's fucked up because I would never put my my kid in a position to get judged like that. I just think that later in life that just, I mean, do what you want with your kids, but I just think that that sets the wrong wrong tone but now that our kids have instagram and all that access i mean that's all it's about anyway it's about being judged and look how pretty i am i saw a girl in the gym today taking pictures i'm like are you going to fucking work out or just have a goddamn photo shoot and she's doing that horse leg pose have you guys seen that where the girls they stand they stick their they stick their ass out and they like put their front foot on their fucking tippy toes and they, they all do it and then they turn their hips and it's uh it looks like a it's i think they call it the horse pose i can't remember but I was just like, God damn it, how desperate are you for some fucking likes? Like, Jesus. Anyway. You have to be able to find excitement in life, right? And Because a lot of times, lack of excitement leads to lack of purpose. I have found one thing that excites me, or another thing that excites me, obviously, is what I do for a living. Being able to um, go around the country and talk to various fire departments and police departments, emergency services, personnel, military, about mental wellness and resiliency and leadership. I absolutely love it, as well as comedy. Comedy has been a purpose, and that that's one thing that just it, it gets me going. It makes me feel um, a sense of excitement. And I, f- I feel like a lot of people, unfortunately, they're stuck in that rut of wake up, go to work, come home, go to bed, and they lose that sense of excitement. Especially, especially my police officer buddies, man, because you guys, here's what sucks with the police. And I may have talked about this before. Fire department, we normally get two days off. And that's that's traditional departments, one day on, two off. And now there's some that get three days off. There's some that get four fucking days off. And in those off days, if they want to go work part-time jobs, they can. And they get to step away from the fire service. And they can go be a milkman. You can go work at the gym. You can do whatever. I, shit, I owned a limousine company. I owned a fucking hot dog cart. I did stand-up comedy on the side. And I went to college. All of that at the same damn time while I was a fireman. The firefighting profession affords us the opportunity with the scheduling to do that. Police force, not so much. My police buddies, normally to make side money, they got to work off-duty jobs. But they're on duty. They wear their uniform. They wear their badge. They go and they put themselves in a fucking line of fire again to make 25, 35, whatever it is in your jurisdiction, dollars an hour. And they can't get away from it. So you can see how that burnout would happen really quickly. And doing that seven days a week over the course of a career will suck you dry. Like my buddy Kenny at the glory hole, the mobile glory hole, that is. What happens with lack of purpose and lack of productivity a lot of times leads to depression, right? And it sends us down this, this dark-ass rabbit hole that is so difficult to get out of. And I know from personal experience, when you come home feeling like that, what's the first thing we do? We try to protect everybody, but we end up affecting everybody. Or I should say infecting everybody with our bullshit. How many times have you come home, everybody else is having a great day around you, and you ruin their fucking day just by showing up, just by coming home, just your mere presence alone brings everybody else down. I'll raise my hand. I'll be the first one to tell you I've done that too many times to count. And it's not that I'm proud of that. It's not that that's the, that's the man I wanted to be. 
but my world was so dark for so long, and it still is at times, that it will affect everybody around you. And that's where we get back to um, you can you can give your friends and loved ones PTSD, post-traumatic stress, whatever, PTS, whatever you want to call it. You can give that to them. And it's called sympathetic. I want to say it's sympathetic. I'm not a fucking doctor. Anyway, I'm not trying to sound like a doctor. I'm not trying to do <clears throat> give all these magical stats and stuff because that's not what I do. I just shoot from the hip. You guys know how I am. I, I am like the gunfighter of the old Wild West with post-traumatic stress i just call it like i see it but what i'm getting at is if you don't find you don't find that something that you want to be a part of something that that makes you happy all you're going to do is constantly be doing the same stuff and giving the people around you the same bullshit attitude that you've always given them and it's just going to suck the life out of everybody at some point if if, if you recognize this has happened to you happening to you at some point you got to make that change right Nobody else is going to do it for you. You got to be responsible for your own shit. You got to stand up and be a warrior in your own life. Like we go out and we do so much for everybody else, but we don't do the things for us. We don't take care of the one thing that will make everything better in our world is our mental health. When your mind is sharp, everything else falls in, in place. But if your mind is fucked up, everything in your world, think about that. Everything is controlled by your by your mind, your perspective on life, everything. If you want to, if you're going to be in a shitty mood all the time and you're going to blow up on everybody around you, you're going to recluse and hate people. That's going to become infectious and you are indeed going to be alone and miserable for the rest of your life. And I hear a lot. I actually not hear it, but I get, I get, um, I get emails on questions and it's like, Travis, what did you do to overcome this? First of all, let me tell you something. I didn't overcome anything. I'm still very much in this fight. But what I don't do is I don't quit myself. I never fucking give up. I wake up every single day with the best of intentions. And do I have shit that rocks me every single day? Yes. But I'm mindful of that. And I recognize that when it happens. And I stop and I focus on that one thing that derails me. And I think to myself, all right. I can let this fuck up my day and everybody else's day, including my family. Or I can recognize this. I can have my little fucking pity party for five minutes and I can get fuck over it. You think I don't have stress coming in? Let me tell you something. I got a lot of shit going on in my life and a lot of stuff I don't put out there. I put out there what I want to put in the universe. But I try not to worry about too many things. Tom Petty said it the best. Half of the things... I worried about never really happened anyway. So I think what we do is inevitably, and I'm, I am guilty of this too. We, we put so much, we worry so much that we put additional stress on our plate. And all that does is, is, is makes that weight that we're carrying heavier and heavier and heavier. I've tried to find little ways to not worry about things. And it, it's, I mean, it's human nature. I think we're definitely going to, we're going to worry but we also have to think about what can we control? If it's outside of our control, why fucking worry about it? And I know that's easier said than done. I still practice it all the time because I'm an, I'm an alpha. I like to control situations. And when I'm not in control of things, it, it fucks me up. But I have to think about it when it's happening and be in the moment. Like, you know what? I can't control this. There's nothing I can do about it. Let me go ahead and get this stress off my plate. And it's a constant, 
constant fight with mental health and being resilient. Resiliency doesn't just happen. You don't just become resilient. It's an, it's an ongoing thing. At least it is with me. There's an old saying that it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. I'm not going to be a gardener in a fucking war. I'm not going to be in the middle of chaos and not know what to fucking do. I prepare my mind every single morning. I step out. I have my coffee by myself, by my pool. I focus on some things. I do some breathing. I'm going to be a warrior in a garden. Hope the chaos doesn't break loose. But when it fucking does, my mind is going to be prepared for whatever comes to me. And I think that's how we have to live our lives. Those of us that that end up inevitably or unfortunately with a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress, depression, anxiety, all of that. That's my two cents on that. I think one of the biggest depressing things that happens to people, including myself, is when a door closes on us or we start seeing opportunities kind of dissipate. And that gets um, very demotivating, very depressing because we start asking ourselves a bunch of unanswered questions, right? I'm big on this why. We always we want to know the whys to a lot of things in life. And I write about this in my book, Create Your Own Light. Nine times out of ten, you don't want to know the answer why because you wouldn't be able to fucking handle it anyway. So stop asking. I can speak from personal experience. I have a lot of doors closed, but I also know this. Through those closed doors, there's a lot of opportunities that that, uh, create themselves. But I'm a guy where when a door closes... Sure, I get upset or I think about it, but I don't I don't fucking cry about it. I look at it from a different perspective. Okay, this time of my life is changing. This is universe redirecting me yet again. Let me explore the new options that are presenting themselves. And that's what I do. I continuously keep moving forward. Take your rear view mirror off, rip it the fuck down, and throw it in the trash. Take your side mirrors off, throw them in the trash. Look straight the fuck ahead and pound on and keep pressing because that's all we can do. What's in the past is in the past. There's a lot of people in my industry, in the comedy industry, and this is one of the shitty things. And I don't, I don't, I don't really talk openly and um, publicly um, scrutinize or criticize comedy. But there's a lot of people in this industry that control your outcome. And that's one of the things I never like because I don't like other people being in control of what the fuck I do. But unfortunately, I chose I chose an industry and I chose a business where I'm not the shot caller. I'm the performer. There's other people that call the shots. And with those shots that are called, a lot of times your fate hangs in the balance of what they choose to do with you. So I can tell you all about adversity. I can tell you all about doors slamming. I can tell you about costly, costly doors shutting in my face. All day long, but it's not going to do me any good to sit here and cry about it and pout about it. So that's why I create my own light, baby, and I make other things happen. And that's what you got to do. A lot of you guys and girls out there, you know, you work for somebody who, um, I hate to say it, sometimes there's some control freaks out there, and they and they know they got you by the balls or the the uh, the titties or whatever whatever we call it. Um. 
and they can they can kind of control the outcome of your future. And I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you start positioning yourself to where you have options. Always have options. Have at least six or seven options. Don't ever let one person control the outcome of your life or the trajectory of your life. And when something bad happens, you're, you're entitled to be upset about it. That's human nature. But do not hold yourself back because of that. I can single-handedly, I had this conversation with someone recently. I can single-handedly put a finger on one of the shittiest moments in my life, but it, looking back, not that I like to look back, but that one shitty moment was the best thing that ever happened to me. But it took me a lifetime to realize that. And I write about that in my book too. And that's when I got fired from being a police officer. I'm not proud to say I got fired, but honestly, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. The, the fact of the matter is eight years later, I was proven that I was right. It just took a little time. All it was, was an incident over what another police officer said. We didn't have body cameras back then. I didn't say what this police officer said that I said. Turns out after eight years later, another in, it wasn't really an investigation, but it was proven this officer was fired from three different fire departments for lying. I found this out. He got fired from another one after I left. I submitted my case to um, the decision makers and asked them for just for consideration to just, just to look into it. And you know what happened? The craziest thing happened. Not only did they look into it, they found out more facts, and I got a fucking apology. And I'll leave it at that. I actually got an apology from the individual fire chief or police chief who made that decision. I ran into him in a gym here in town. And he stuck his hand out and he said, I I apologize for what happened. And I was like, man, that was really big of him to say that. So anyway, what I'm getting at is, had that not happened, let me tell you what what I was experiencing at that point in my life. I was an underpaid police officer. I was living in a rundown apartment complex. I was living for free. Because the deal was, I was called a courtesy officer. If you live here, on your nights off, you need to patrol the grounds. And anything you see, you need to affect, you need to affect an arrest. You need to write reports. And that's what I did for free rent. And let me tell you something. There was a lot of crime where I was living. A, a lot of it. And it got to be to where the entire community hated me. But as a underpaid police officer. I couldn't afford to go anywhere. I had rooms to go furniture, right? <laughs> I remember I had a, I had a car payment and a fucking rooms to go payment. And once I paid all of that, I could barely afford to eat. So that's why I worked all my off duty shifts. And I worked for $25 an hour. I worked off duty shifts and I was working what they call shot spotter. Um, sometimes where we would have, the, we had this system in the city. I was working where when gunshots would go off, we had to go, go to those calls, uh, where the gunshots were. A lot of times you find something, a lot of times you wouldn't. But again, I'm working in a dangerous environment, an environment, a stressful environment. On That's supposed to be my, my off-duty gig, and here I am still working at it. So you can see how these police get all stressed out. Then I, I, would work, I remember I used to work at the Waffle House, too. I would work off-duty at the Waffle House, and that was a violent-ass place. I think I've talked about this on podcast before. So I'm not going to run it in the ground, but we worked at a Waffle House where there were multiple shootings up there while we were working. Um, it's just fucking crazy. You couldn't escape it. 
So I got sidetracked. Shit. No, I didn't. I know what I was talking about. Looking back all those years later, had, had I stayed on that job as a police officer, what would, what would have happened? Maybe I'd be a sergeant today. Maybe I'd be a lieutenant in today's policing environment. I mean, I'd be better than being a patrolman actually working the streets and having to deal with the bullshit. But still, I've had uh, friends of mine in those positions and different positions across this country who who were inevitably terminated after a lengthy career for political bullshit. And I look back for, as, a, as a 43-year-old man sitting here now, and I'm like, you know what? That police chief did me the biggest fucking favor because I didn't invest any more time into this society that 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 unfortunately has zero fucking respect for law enforcement. And I'm not getting on a political rant. That's not it at all. But he did me the biggest favor. Had he not done that, my life would not have taken the trajectory that it took. And I wouldn't be sitting here getting to talk to so many wonderful people. I have met so many amazing emergency responders over the course of my career speaking and doing comedy that, I mean, it's overwhelming. And he just did me the biggest favor that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have my, my fucking, my family. I wouldn't have my farm. I wouldn't have this shitty ass dog that we just adopted. That's pissing everywhere. <laughs> I wouldn't, let me take this bitch. I walked in today. She's a hound dog. She has got a nose. Like I haven't seen She's only like three months old. I walked in today somehow, or I don't know, somehow, she jumped on um, the dining room table. She was on top of the table looking like a damn mountain goat. Just sniffing around. The table was wiped down. And needless to say, I had to get her off of there. But you got to look at perspective. Perspective is a huge thing. And it can change the outcome of your day. It can change the outcome of your family's day, your friend's day, in the blink of an eye. Because perspective will change your attitude immediately perspective saved my life literally. And I write about that in my book, create your own light. And that's in towards the end of the book. And I wrote about how there was a time where I was sitting in the woods with a gun in my lap and seeing something changed everything for me. It literally was in a flip of a switch because we, you ever notice this when you're mad, the more that you concentrate on that, the madder you get, if matter is a word. The more upset you get, I should say. And that is a thought process that we can control. You choose to, to be mad. You are absolutely choosing that. When you have conversations with people who are mad, you ever notice how, how they can infect you and they can amp you up? I have to be careful when I have conversations with certain people because... They will talk so aggressively about certain things that I get I get hyped up too. And that's why I don't like talking about current events and politics and shit because I'm not a dude who can sit there and just, yeah, man, and have just a, a wonderful, intelligent discussion on this. That shit pisses me off. And I don't want to be mad. I want to be happy. But with perspective, if you can stop when you see yourself getting upset, take a breather and say, all right. Let me look at this from a different angle. Let me look at this through a different lens. You'd be surprised at what you'll see and what you'll find and how quick you can actually take control of your own mind. This literally happened to me yesterday and I talk about um I talk about how things in my in a neighborhood affect me because when I'm when I'm in this neighborhood I see a lot of bullshit 
that other people don't see. Right? I see a lot of I see a lot of emergencies happening that honestly never happen, but goes back to that Tom Petty saying it's because I'm worried about shit happening that never really happens. But that's the world I lived in for so long. So yesterday I let my daughters I do this thing now where they walk down to a friend's house without me. And to make both of them go together, you know, I've taught them all the fucking drills like do this, don't do that. At some point I got to I got to give them their independence. And I got I can't be so watchful that I'm never going to let them out of my sight. I understand in baby steps. I don't want to be that dad at 30 years old. I'm I, I'm like sitting outside their house trying to figure out what their husband's saying to him because if he's not being nice, I'm going to fucking kill him. That you know, I mean I I, I will be that dad, but Still, I got to give these little girls a little bit of independence and I got to show them that I can trust them and they need to see that I'm, I'm, I'm doing that with them. So, but you break that trust, that's your ass. So yesterday I'm sitting and this is a power of being able to control perspective. Okay. Watch this sitting in the yard. I'm sitting out back and I knew my daughters had walked down to their little friend's house. Now. While I'm sitting there, I watch a UPS truck come flying up the street. And my immediate reaction was to go get in my van and go stop this person. And have a conversation with him. My heart was pounding. And I stopped. Because what I saw happening was something very horrible. I saw my daughters walking, him not seeing my daughters. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm peeling my daughters out from underneath this UPS truck. Now... That immediately took me back to my father. My father had two cousins when he was little. They were walking down the road. They were they were twins. They were brothers. I think he said they were seven or eight years old. They were walking down the road holding hands, and they got hit by a fucking car and killed. Okay, So my mind immediately went that dark. And then I stopped. I, I, right then I said, look, I can keep beating this into the ground. I can keep thinking about this, and I'm going to get more mad. But I didn't. I chose. I chose what I. I chose to think differently. I thought, all right, my daughters are fine. Nobody's screaming down the street, and that UPS truck. That UPS driver probably had to shit, and so he's hauling ass right now to get to a toilet. And I made light of it, and I laughed in my own mind, and just like that, my heart rate slowed down, and I was good. That's what I'm talking about. I could have chose to sit there and stew on that. I could have sat there and ran every possible scenario in my mind. I could have thought about little Jimmy Clinton who was killed on a fucking bicycle and drugged to his fucking death underneath a car years ago. And he was five years old. I could have thought about that, but I didn't. I could have thought about another kid who was hit by a fucking Pepsi truck and drugged to his death and his whole fucking face was ripped off. And ground into the concrete or to the asphalt below on Highway 170 down in Bluffton, South Carolina. But I didn't. I'm only thinking about that now as I'm trying to paint this picture for you. I didn't think about that stuff because it wouldn't have done me any good. It would have only pissed me off. Power of perspective. When your mind starts going dark, it's like you got to load up some new batteries. When the batteries start dying and that light starts flickering and getting dark on you, put some new fucking batteries in your flashlight and cut it on and make it brighter. And and I'm telling you, shit works. But I, I got to be, 
I got to be aware of that constantly. And I, that's something I, I constantly work on. I'll feel myself getting angry or upset about something. And I, if I don't stop and think about it, I just get more upset. But the second I realize what's happening, I'm like, all right, stop, pump the brakes. Let me think about this differently. And it changes my day. And I would highly encourage you guys and girls, if, if you experience that stuff too, there's sudden mood changes like that. When you feel something that's, that's changing your mood, making your blood boil, try that. Just, just stop for a second. Before you react, think. I can't believe I'm giving that advice coming from a dude who has reacted his whole life. But I'm telling you, as I get older, I think I get a little bit wiser. I have made plenty of mistakes out of reaction. And normally, it's the wrong reaction. So learn from my mistakes. Think before you act when you when you get upset. All this chemistry that goes on in our bodies over these over these careers that we choose and that we have and all the, the toxicity involved with the environments that we're in ultimately is ultimately is leading us to these horrible places. And what I'm what I'm getting at is we're losing more emergency service workers by our own hand than we're losing in the line of duty. And this is for over a decade now or close to a decade now. And that's only because we've been keeping track of it just for a short period of time. Now, I'm sure this has been going on for decades and decades and decades. The problem is the career paths that we choose are so infectious and negative that it's like a cancer and it just eats at us and it eats us. It can be the best job in the world. They can be the best careers in the world. I'm not knocking them. I love both of them. I love being a cop. I love being a fucking fireman. But if we don't take care of our mental health, we are at more risk of dying by our own hand than in service. And that's a scary thing that when we reach those points that we got to take ourselves out. Think, think about this. We fight harder for our lives off duty than we have to fight for it on duty many times. Think about that. A lot of us don't, don't go to work and, and every single day we're in a fight for our lives. Now, some of you are in a busy departments, busy houses or whatnot. Yeah, it's a, it's a fight for your life every day. But I know I know me, I shit, I, can, I, can, I know from my point of view, I have fought harder for my life out of uniform than I ever did in uniform. And that's a scary fucking thing. And it's a lonely, lonely thing. And I, I talk about this extensively when I give presentations um, to emergency services. We, we got to get better at communicating. Um, we, are, we are getting there. We're making strides, but we're not there yet. I'm going to tell you something that's really scary. And I think about this all the time. It's... um. The ones out there that are actually helping, there's there's a good bit. It's not, I'm not I'm not the only person that talks about this. There are other people in our industries, thank God, that go around and they take care of our brothers, they take care of our sisters, they have the hard they have the hard conversations, they put their pride to the side, and they have the conversations. But w- what I have found is a lot of times it's those that are helping are the ones that are the most damaged. And they're doing it from a place of they care for the other people, but they're also doing it from a place of they're so fucking damaged that 
speaking about it is what keeps them alive. Speaking and, 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 and uh, connecting with people is what keeps them alive. I've heard multiple stories. Now, I'm in this business. I'm, I'm in this, um, I, don't, I wouldn't even say business. I, so I'm intertwined with a lot of different agencies where I remember when I was on the job, I knew people at other fire departments or this and that, but I didn't, I, I didn't work with them like I do now. So if a firefighter killed himself back in the day, unless I knew him, I didn't know about it. So if a firefighter in Spokane, Washington shot himself, I wouldn't have known. Well, now, and especially with social media too, well, not even with social media, but kind of the the underground of what I do, uh, intertwined with all these different networks, I hear about all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's some um, of of emergency services people hurting themselves. And it, and it breaks my fucking heart, man. I'll wake up to a text here. I'll wake up to a message there, an email here. And it's things you never hear about, you never see on social media. And I'm exposed to it more because, like I say, I'm in, I'm, I'm in that world a little bit deeper in the mental health world. And one one recently, if you saw my post, one man, one just broke my heart. And uh, they all do. But this one, this one just hit me a lot differently. So there was a gentleman, a firefighter in Tennessee. And uh, apparently... I never met I never met this man. But I've heard wonderful wonderful things about him. He he was struggling. And I think people some people may may have known but they didn't know how bad because we're good at hiding this shit. We're good at burying whatever we're going through. It's that whole tough man, tough girl syndrome like, "Hey, I'm good." Um 9 times out of 10, the ones that tell you I'm good and they blow it off, they're not and I'll tell you right now, I'll raise my hand and I'll tell you, I'm not good. I'm never good. But I tell people that all the time because I don't, a lot of times I don't want to get into the conversation until I'm ready to get into the conversation. I still have horrible, horrible, horrible days. But I choose to be a warrior in a fucking garden. And I face that shit and I don't quit. Nor will I. And I'll make you a promise right now. I will not fucking quit. And I think that's important. If you're listening right now, if you're having problems, say that shit out loud to yourself and mean it. Look yourself in, in the mirror, in the eye, and tell yourself you will not quit. And don't you be a fucking quitter. Because people depend on you. I know how hard this shit gets. I know, I know that weight. I get it. That's why I do what I do. <clears throat> Travis Mannion. United States Marine said that before he deployed. He said, if not me, who? And he was killed in the in, in, in line of duty, in action. And that's how I feel about this mental health stuff. If not me, who? Who's going to step up to the plate and be uncomfortable and say the uncomfortable things, talk about the shit, and, and not fear judgment, and not fear what people are going to say? I'll stick my hand up. I don't give a fuck. Because I know it's helping. I see the messages. I hear the responses. And that's why I decided to do all this. And I want to, I want to get back to the story that, I'm, that I want to tell you about. Is I, I got a message the other day. And it was a picture. And I shared this on Instagram. It was a picture of my book next to a folded American flag. And this, um, this firefighter's wife 
gave me this long message. And in that message, she told me that he read my book in November. And after reading my book, he had a, a hard conversation with her. And he was able to, uh, his wife asked him, well, how, how did Travis get better? And you know what, you know what he said? He said he left the fire service. And that is true. I'm a, I'm a lot better today than I used to be. Um, but I, I'm not pretending that I'm not, I don't still have problems. And several weeks later, he killed himself. Now, before he did though, she told me that he was helping other firefighters mental health wise. He got a couple of firefighters checked into a few facilities and got there, you know, so they could work on their mental, mental wellness. And then he killed himself and I broke my fucking heart, man. It's, I put all this information out there in the universe that book is out there. It's completely transparent, and it talks about the struggles. It talks about how the day-to-day grind and not quitting ourselves and how we can get to a better place through ownership, through acceptance, through perspective. And he didn't feel, I guess, like uh, like he could be here anymore. And you know what? what else she said in that message? She said, you know, I was getting the kids ready for church this morning and I looked at this and I thought, how could he leave all of this behind? And then in the same breath, she told me, I thought, how badly does somebody need to be hurting to leave all of this behind? And I know, I know exactly how bad. And that's the hard part. That is the part where you can't convey that to a spouse. You cannot I don't care how many times you tell them you're hurting, how, how you can't express that feeling. And that's, that's the hard part. It's impossible to communicate when you're at, at that point. And the best thing that I could tell her was this, when you've reached that point, it's, You feel like the only way to keep from dragging your family down with your with with you is to take yourself up and take yourself out. That's it. And that's why a lot of these emergency responders, military, they do that. They feel like they're ruining their children. They feel like they're ruining their spouse. And the only way to give them any kind of hope is to take themselves out, is to cut the head off the snake. And I can promise you I've been there more times than I care to talk about. And I know many of you have too. On a brighter note, um, so, woo, it's got a little deep. On a brighter note, uh, I got some statistics in this morning for this podcast. You want to hear some cool statistics? 82% of the downloads that I get, guess where they're from? iPhones. That's a pretty cool stat. And 14% are from Android and only 1% are from Windows computer. Um, so I don't know if it's the Memphis barbecue guy on the Windows computer just setting himself apart. But that's a <laughs> that's pretty crazy that these things keep some crazy stats. So um, we're, we've surpassed 10,000 downloads, which is cool because when I first started this, I was like, ah, who the fuck wants to listen, listen to, to me talk about all of this deep stuff, right? But apparently a lot of people, and it, it might honestly just be, be my buddy Kenny over in uh, at the Mobile Glory Hole just downloaded, and he's probably downloaded it 10,000 times from different devices. That's probably exactly where it's coming from. He's the only one listening. And Well, no, because there's two, because you got the Memphis Barbecue guy. 
Um, so anyway, thoughts on this episode? Was I off track? Um, was I on track? I don't know. Never mind. Keep your thoughts to yourself on that one because uh, it's too late. This thing's coming out. I'm not going to go back and edit. I'm not going to go back and re-record. Just kind of was what it was. Y'all want to hear a funny story? I got a good story for you. Y'all know, y'all know I like telling dick stories. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just, just funny to me. I got a lot of dick stories, man. Um, I'm gonna tell one from my book. This isn't the one about Big Blue. Um, you you got to read my book to read about Big Blue. I'm gonna tell you about Lieutenant Mondo. If you haven't read the book, check this out. So Lieutenant Mondo was not his real name. Had to change the name because uh. Well, I just couldn't put that out there in the universe because I couldn't get with him to give him uh, authority to let me use his name. So I just changed it or authorization to change his name. So when I was in Marine Corps, we were uh, I was in the infantry and we were in a helicopter unit. So we would fast rope. And if you don't know what fast rope is, a lot of times that's when a uh, when a helicopter comes up to a landing zone or it comes up to the rooftop of a building a bunch of Marines will jump on a rope and slide down it real quick. It's not rappelling. We used to do that too. Rappelling is a uh, one at a time going, going out the side of a, a helo or out the bottom or whatever, or out the back of, excuse me. Um, fast rope is just this big fat green rope. And all you do is you grab it with your hands and put your feet around it and slide down it. Kind of like a fire pole, but, but, but a little bit different. And you got to wear gloves cause it fucking, um, rope will burn your hands up. So anyway, what happens is, Right before you get to where you're about to deploy, you get into position on the um, the deck of the helicopter. And uh, they got that non-skid stuff, and it always tears up your trousers, your pants, whatever you want to call it. And we get to a position we call nut to butt. That's literally where the guy behind you is pressing his his satchel, if you will, his sack, into your, into your low back. And that's why I'm so comfortable in my own skin, man. I've been in a lot of... A lot of compromising positions with other men. And uh, it is what it is because fuck it. You know, I've slept naked in sleeping bags with dudes just to stay warm. So come at me, bro. I'm good. Um, so anyway, while we're, we're getting ready to, to deploy, and before we did, we're still sitting on these bench seats across from one another, right? We're stacked up. I think we got 12 or 13 people in this helo. I can't remember. And across from me was the company XO. He was a lieutenant. And he was a he's a big Indian fucking guy. And his um his camouflage pants had a rip in the crotch. And I looked down and his cock was hanging out. And it was not circumcised. And I remember fucking dying laughing. But this is the company executive officer. Like in the Marine Corps, we don't play that shit. You don't you don't fraternize. We don't really cut up with fucking ranks higher than you. It's very disciplined. And I'm sitting there choking on my fucking tears because it I got this very dark skinned anteater like it felt like it was looking at me. And I thought I saw it breathing. Like I'm serious. It was, it was it has some size to it. And uh so it's looking around and I'm fucking laughing. The guys on my left and right start looking and, and, and he didn't know. And helicopters are very loud and it's got a lot of wind going through there. And maybe, and I don't know, maybe that's why it looked like it was breathing because his foreskin was flapping with the wind that was coming through there. I don't know, but I seriously, I, I think this thing was a little Marine. I really do. I mean, it looked that aggressive. So 
we end up stacking up and I didn't know I didn't I didn't give it a second thought but when we got in our stack nut to butt I scooch up on the guy in front of me guess who was sitting behind me Lieutenant Mondo and and his little marine and I could feel this thing pressing into me and I don't know if I like it like it was doing push-ups or something like because, you know, Marines would like to do push-ups. And I couldn't get out of this fucking helicopter fast enough. And the, the crazy thing is, as you're on target, when you're sliding up to the fast rope that's hanging out the back, this was a CH-46 helicopter. In the Army, it's equivalent to a Chinook. It's got the two, pro- two propellers up top, the two rotors. And we're coming off the ramp in the back, and the rope is down. And as I scoot forward, we're all, like, hustling to scoot forward. I, like, keep getting jabbed in the back, and I, I, I feel it. And now I'm like... Shit, I, I don't want to get pregnant. So I'm trying to like distance myself from this thing. <clears throat> like I say, he was an Indian. And I I don't know. I felt like it was coming at me so hard that I felt like he had he had war paint on it. Like, it, you know, like yeah, you see in them Indian cowboy movies where the, the horses even have fucking war paint on it. And the horses all aggressive. That's what it felt like. And it felt like I was running from this charge. And when I get on the rope. This motherfucker, I get on the rope and I'm sliding as fast as I can. Now, how you control your speed is with your grip of your feet and your hands. And the tighter you squeeze, the slower you go. The As you l- loosen your grip in your, on your feet and your hands, the faster you go. I literally was trying to get away from this dude so fast that I, I pretty much let go of the rope. And he still, I think he did the same thing. I, this is why I think he knew. I think he knew that I was running from his sausage. I really think he knew that he was fucking with me and I was just a Lance Corporal at the time, just a little E3. This is when I was brand new and there's nothing I could do except run from his cock. And he came down just as fast as I did and we what we call a burn in, right? Where you burn in where you hit the deck too hard, you just it's like a sack of potatoes. And he was right on top of me. And I just remember rolling out the way and running off like a scared little schoolgirl. Like, I mean, I was fuck. I, at this point I was scared. And here I am. I'm a Marine. I got an M16 on me. Um, got my fucking face painted all camouflage. And I'm scared of this war horse that's running behind me because I'd never, I'd never come face to face with such a thing like that. And I didn't, in my training, I, I just didn't know how, how to combat such a thing. So that story's in my book. If you want to hear some other shit, I've got plenty of those. But that's a true story. Um, <laughs> I can tell y'all, I love telling stories, man. That's why I need to do an audio book. It's called Story Time. Hey, look, so check it out. I'm about to get out of here. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um I really enjoy doing this stuff with you guys. It take, but it does it it does take a lot to uh, keep it rolling for an hour. So, hit me with some topics. Um, I did get a request last night to talk about peer support, but I'm out of time today, so I do want to get to that. I'm actually going to write that down before I forget. Um, shoot me some ideas that you would like to, uh, like we did in the beginning when we were doing the podcast. What's some things that you'd like to talk about? I can't think of all these things by myself. That's why I end up telling stories about dicks. Unless that's why y'all quit giving me topics because y'all like hearing stories about dicks. But y'all are nasty. So, hey, got some cool tour dates coming up. Let me look at these so I don't mess them up. Let me tell you um, real quick. So, June 25th, 
I'll be in the city of Wanata, New York, and I'll be doing emergency services, mental wellness, and resiliency training for their uh, police and fire department. July 30th, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. With, we have a verbal confirmation on this, but it's not a hard confirmation yet, like the one on, on like a contract. I have a major announcement coming for the Charlotte area fire July 30th. So stay tuned. August the 2nd, I'm speaking to South Bend, Indiana um, Fire Department on mental wellness and resiliency. August the 5th, I'll be at um, the Fire Department Instructors Conference, uh, F, better known as F, FDIC, and that's in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm doing a comedy event for the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, uh, and that's open to the public. So you can come out to that. And uh, October 21st through the 24th, I'll be in Baltimore, Maryland at the fire and police, uh, teaching the fire and police mental wellness and resiliency training. So I'm excited about that. And I got a bunch of other stuff loaded up in the shoot. We just don't have confirmations on them yet. Um, There's other Indianapolis dates. There's some Missouri dates. There's some um, Iowa dates, uh, possible Texas date. So as those evolve, I'll keep you posted. Please tell people about this podcast. Um, I can't do it without you guys. Send people to my Instagram page. That's that's really what I want to build up is the Instagram. It's it's actually it's doing very well. But uh, if if you think anybody that can will relate to this stuff and enjoy this stuff, send them to my Instagram page. Give me a follow. I really appreciate it, man. I love I, I truly love you guys. Um, you guys mean the world to me, and uh, I'm glad that we can do this and have this little thing together. So y'all kick ass. Stay safe. Hope you enjoy it. This is coming out here in a few minutes. As soon as I hit upload, see y'all.